My loves, let me ask you something. Are you ready to dive deep? Or do you feel like you need some time away from the people, place, and things that make up your current life? It could be both. You're like, I need to get the fuck away from everything and everyone. And I'm also ready to take my spiritual path to the next degree, honey. Okay? Regardless of what it is, I got you. There's two legendary, amazing, delicious opportunities for us to practice together in person this year. The first one is at the iconic Omega Institute in New York, upstate New York. And the second one is in Mykonos, Greece, honey. And both of these retreats are going to be a combination of the spiritual dance practice, also known as the SAT method, also known as the spiritual workout, and Dharma talks. So let me break this down for you. The SAM method, for those of you who are like, what the fuck is that? It's a practice. Uh, it's an experience. It's a, it's, a, it's a performance art healing experience that I created um, that combines ecstatic dance, meditation, breath work, and mantra. And these four practices are here to activate, amplify, and energize the four qualities in your heart, according to Buddhist psychology, which are love, compassion, joy, and wisdom. So during the retreat... And, and upstate New York is five days, excuse me, six days, five nights, and Greece is eight days, seven nights. I'm going to tell you more about this in a second. But during the retreat, we're going to dance, we're going to dance twice a day, okay? And dance as much as you want, move as much as you want. But the whole purpose of the, of the movement is for you to actualize what you learn during the theory part, where we're going to sit around and I'm going to explain to you through, through the, the, my interpretation and my understanding, my studies of Buddhist psychology, I'm going to give you all that I know during that dedicated, you know, retreat time away from the people, place and things that make up your current experience. You're going to be devoted towards your heart, towards your liberation. Therefore, you're going to be able to then actualize that which you learn during theory in the dance floor. And then you're going to be, be able to bring that all back into your life once you leave the retreat. Going to retreat has been one of the best things that I've ever done for myself. It has changed my life. And you've heard, if, you, if you're a listener, uh, an avid listener to the podcast, you've heard me talk about going on retreats over and over again. If you've read my books, you know that going on spiritual retreats is how we take our practice to the next level. Oftentimes we do need to take time away from people, place, and things that make up our current life in order for us to truly discover who are we really and what is it that I want to do in my life. And maybe you're like, I already know who I am and I'm already happy with what I'm doing in my life, but you want to actually bring more joy, more bliss. You actually want to be happier, more playful, more lighthearted in more lightheartedness into your life. This retreat, these retreats are for you. You can either come to one or you can come to both. It doesn't matter. The point of the Psalm method, the spiritual workout, the spiritual dance practice is for us to say fuck off to people that says that when you are a disciplined spiritual practitioner, you become more serious. That is a lie. Okay. The truth is the deeper you become, the, the, the deeper you, you, you enter into the spiritual path and the more you're disciplined about your spiritual liberation, the more playful and lighthearted and more smiles and more humor and more laughter your life becomes filled 
with. Okay, so click the links in the show notes and I hope to see you at, in upstate New York at the iconic, legendary Omega Institute. Uh, let me tell you the dates. Uh, upstate New York is June 19th through the 24th. Okay, and Greece is um, October 8th through October 15th, okay? And if you have any questions or concerns about the retreats, when you click the link in the show notes, um, or so you can visit my Instagram bio or my TikTok bio to get all the details for the for the retreats. If you have questions, just go onto the retreats website and, and click over there to find out how you can talk to the retreat producers. They're both amazing powerhouse companies that are producing my retreats. They will be able to help you with anything you need, okay? I love you all so much, and I cannot wait to practice with you and get free with you. Love you. Peace. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Spiritually Sassy Show. The following podcast was recorded live on Quilt. So let's talk about wisdom, right? One huge moment that I had of wisdom was it didn't matter how many times I would hear people saying, um, we are good. We are good people. Everyone's good. You know, we're, we're and from, from the Christianese perspective, right? Saying uh, we are made um, a, an aspect we're made from the same uh, fabric of God, right? We are a thread in this in this godly uh, weave, right? So we are innately godly beings. We are innately uh, good because if we're made from God, then we are good people. Some people would say that. Other people would say this is the knowledge that was that was floating around my my early teens, right? Before my awakening, um, so that some people would say that we are all made from love because we are made from God, right? So that was one interpretation. Another one was saying that because you are a queer person, then I'm sorry, God doesn't really accept you and, and you're not really innately a good person. Your brokenness is so broken that it makes you an innately bad person. Someone who is, um, uh, it's your deficiency is irreversible, right? And that's what I've been, that's what I grew up also hearing. Um, and, and then, I mean, that there's so many, there's so many bits and pieces of these, of these, the, the knowledge that people like blast you and vomit at you, like projectile, like the exorcist, remember the girl in the exorcist, like that style of, of vomit, like that kind of blast to your face. Right. Um, and then when I arrived, um, and then I grew up with these two views, right. Am I a good person? Because I made in, in, in the from the same um, uh, particle of God. So does that mean that I am love? Does that mean that I am godly? Does that mean that I am benevolent, good person? Or am I this broken, beyond uh, repair person because I'm queer? So this back and forth, right? And then I created so many, um, unintentionally created so many ways for me to 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 experience um, the latter feeling like I was uh, more and more ways for me to, to, to continuously punish myself because I felt like I was innately broken beyond repair person, right? Because that's what the church was saying. This is what society was saying. So that was the knowledge that was around. But then I had a breakthrough. I had a breakthrough when I went to, to my first 10-day silent retreat that the guru said, everyone is innately a good person. The seed of enlightenment lives at the base of everyone's hearts. 
and we are deeply conditioned, but our nature, our true nature can never be tinted, can never be phased, can never be broken, can never be, um, can never be, um, taken apart. It can never, it can only be developed. You know, the seed of enlightenment is always there. No one can uproot that seed of enlightenment. All the other seeds in the garden of our mind can be uprooted, can be weeded out, but the seed of enlightenment could never be uprooted. That is this, that is the that is literally the catalyst and the, the foundation of, of, of our humanness. That is the foundation of our humanness. And that was kind of like a huge moment that I was like, oh, fuck, why is anyone uh, addressing our human nature versus our human conditioning? Why aren't we speaking about it like that, that we all have these broken parts of ourselves, that we all have the sense of deficiency, that we all have the sense of, in of inadequacy, you know, but that does not define who we are at the base of our being. So that was a clear moment of wisdom for me, right? clear, massive moment of wisdom for me. So I wanted to always recognize that, right? So when we are speaking about wisdom, we're speaking about the, and we're speaking about uh, Manjushri, right? Manjushri is the tattoo that I have in my right arm, um, my right upper arm. If you've seen Manjushri um, is, is, a, is a tantric Buddhist deity of, of transcendental wisdom. And I want to share with you guys a couple different um, stories around it, okay? Um, but before I go into, into the next stage I, of sharing my personal stories, I want to share one brief story about Manjushri. So it said that Manjushri knew, Manjushri is omniscient, right? This, this godly being, this godhead, this deity is omniscient. So that means that they can see the past, the present, and the future, and they're they're omnipresent. So they can be there in everything and everywhere. They have these emanation bodies, right? So they can be everywhere. Um, and Manjushri said to 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 have been in this small little village, in this area of India, and I'm paraphrasing the story, right? It's a long story, but I'm giving you just a tiny little bit. And I've heard the story many years ago. So I'm going to try to give you as close to the story, uh, being as close to, its, to, its, uh, to the story that I've read as possible. But I think the, the, the antidote, the remedy um, will come through, right? That's my hope. So it said the Manjushri uh, took human form, took human form, and Manjushri was hanging out in this village because he knew that this extremely powerful woman, this woman who, she was, she was extremely wealthy. She was extremely beautiful. She had all the earthly, um, the earthly means uh, that are associated with power, that, have, that we have been conditioned to associate with power. Right? She's being born in a physical form that a lot of people perceive to be beautiful. She's being, she talks in a way and she dresses in a way that a lot of people perceive to be beautiful. She has this, this karma about her that people perceive her to be beautiful and attractive. Uh, so everyone is sort of allured by her presence. Right, So she's able to get whatever she wants from anyone all the time. Manjushri, knowing that of this powerful person that was around, right? And, and then he'd had the hit that saying, if I can introduce the Dharma 
this transcendental wisdom, if I could introduce the path of a radical saint to this, to this woman, she could use her power to seduce people to take care of themselves. She can then guide people in a way that they can learn to become healers and to stop um, uh, to stop being intoxicated by this misperception of beauty, by this misperception of, of power. And they can start to really take care of their mind and take care of their heart in such a way that they stop thinking that the, the, the that they need to be rich and powerful and famous. And they should be thinking of, of becoming storytellers and lovers and healers, right? So he realized that this woman was at the perfect time in her life Listen closely, because this is the beauty. This is where this is where it lands right here, right? And by the way, is this landing? Are we communicating? Is this starting to orient your mind? Do, am, am I painting a picture to you guys right now in your mind? Do you have a picture in your mind of what I'm telling you? Okay, very well. So Manjushri said, Manjushri being able to look in her mind, right? Being omniscient, he can, she can he can look into each one of our minds and see all of our past, meaning see all the ways that we were harmed, see all the ways that we have harmed, see all the ways that we harmed ourselves. Therefore, these are the this. Therefore, because of all the ways that we have lived, right? Though all the ways that we have been relationed. Uh, and and related to and related with, we are then living out the consequence of all those ways, right? So in that moment, um, because he has that access, he can look in our minds and see that, oh, wow, we're living out the, we're living out the consequence of all of our past actions, boom. So he pierced into her mind and said, oh, wow, she is at the perfect point where the seed of enlightenment at the, in the garden of her mind is sprouting. She's curious about things that are beyond traditional colonized beauty. She's, she's curious about things that are beyond her conditioning. She's, th she's curious about things that are beyond the collective hallucination. She's curious about things that are orienting her mind towards healing, towards grace, towards world peace, but she just doesn't know about it. So the seed of, the, the, the sprout of, of wisdom is, is growing in her mind. So he knew that all she needed was a little bit of water and a little bit of sunlight and a little bit of presence in such a way that she would then be able to fully awaken, right? And that sprout will grow into a grown-ass tree in a split second. Some of, have you, you know, there's many stories in, in the Buddhist sutras and the shastras and in the commentary and the literature that speaks to people that are having spontaneous moments of complete awakening. So we're working on the way. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Is it breaking up or is it okay? Can you hear me okay? Are we communicating? Is it working? Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me, right? Like that. Is it working? Okay, wonderful. Perfect. So um, there's many stories. There's many stories in the literature that speaks to these spontaneous moments of awakening, right? Some people um, are, are literally falling asleep and the way they're able to look at their mind in the moment of, of, of sleep, in that, that moment right before they go into deep sleep, in that clear sight, in that clear knowing, that moment of, of prajna, interest of transcendental wisdom, in that moment that they awaken this Manjushri consciousness, they are able to completely, um, completely uh, like, delete and eradicate and uproot all samskaras. What does that mean? All mental defilements, all 
pain from their mind, all suffering from their mind, all the ways that they are relating to themselves in the world from an ignorant perspective. Hold on a second. The gardener is here across the street. One second. Let me just close my door. Um, I live in a street where at some point I'll show you guys more of that on social media, but it's a really beautiful street that has these like really big uh, trees. There you go. That's better. Okay. So what I was saying was that there are these moments of spontaneous arising, spontaneous, that, that enlightenment spontaneously arise in your mind, in your heart. Okay. So um, it could happen at any moment to any of us. You know, it could happen at any moment to any of us. So listen to that. Let that sort of be your default, that you could be completely and utterly free of all samskara, of all pain and all suffering in a blink of an eye, right? As we continue to observe our mind, as we continue to pierce through the veil of illusion, of Mara, right? And we continuously are able to, to go underneath the layers of truth and glimpse more and more at the deepest levels of truth. That is prajna, that is transcendental wisdom. That's what we're hoping for uh, in our talk today. So, okay, going back to the story, right? I took a pivot here. So Manjushri realized that this, that this woman is so close to having that spontaneous moment of, of awakening, that she's so close to having this, this complete uprooting of, of, all, of all confusion, of all ignorance from her mind, right? So he says, okay, I know she's going to be turning around in this corner. She's going to make a left in this corner at this specific time. And I know that she likes really beautiful things. So I'm going to wear this vest that has these really beautiful buttons on it. So that is wisdom, right? Knowing how to present yourself in a way that people are willing, uh, that, that in a way that, that, that really uh, invokes something in people, that really brings people, that really, it's, this is called spiritual seduction. When I say seducing the gods, this is what I'm saying. You're literally, when, you, when I speak about seducing the gods, that's what I'm speaking to. It's like your ability to present yourself in a way that is seducing of someone's nature, of someone's Buddha nature, of someone's Manjushri conscious, of someone's utter and profound potential. You know, you're not tickling or, or, or communicating with their, with their conditioning. You know, you're communicating with their nature, with their Buddha nature. So that's when I speak to you guys about seducing the gods. This is what I'm speaking about. So Manjushri puts himself in that perfect time, in that perfect corner, with that perfect outfit, because he knew that that would be the moment that he could have access to her. So he just stood there. He just stood there in that corner. And she, as she turned, as she, as she has her carriage, right, really big carriage, because this is a very powerful woman. She's turning with her carriage. So she, she looks through her window. <clears throat> of her carriage and she sees Manjushri in the corner, just standing there looking iconic, seducing the gods, right? She says, stop, stop the carriage. So she comes off the carriage and she says, who are you? He says, I'm Manjushri. Something about the words started to already orient her mind. It's almost like she, she had heard in that, I'm closing my eyes in my head, sort of spinning, right? I'm kind of going around in my chair right now. My eyes are closed and I'm going around. It was almost like that moment that we are like, it's, it's, it's those moments of like such clear, profound wisdom. It's the moments of synchronicity. It's the moments of deja vu. It's the moments that we recognize that nothing is random, right? So profound Manjushri consciousness, profound 
Prajna consciousness, transcendental wisdom, opens us up to live a life of synchronicity. We recognize that nothing is random. You know, recognize that nothing is random. So like that. So in that moment, she heard the words Manjushri, and she was like, <gasps> almost like inside of her, she was like, fuck, I've heard this name before. I feel like I've met you before. I feel like I know you. All that happens, right? This happens to all of us all the time. It's just where our minds are so cluttered, our conditioning so thick that we're not even aware. The life is con uh, continuously connecting and communicating to us. Life is radically communicating to us all the time. We're just so busy. We're so scattered that we're not seeing. Okay, so that was the first thing. That was the first moment of, of shattering of her condition. Boom, Manjushri. And then the next thing, she says, I love that vest. Oh my God, I love those buttons. Can I have this vest? And she's a woman that has been able to always get what she wants. So anytime she's ever said to anyone, can I have this? She would always get it. She would always get it. She never had anyone say no or wait. Manjushi says, I'll give you this vest if I can introduce you, if I can uh, tell you about the Buddha Dharma. She says, Buddha, what Dharma? And in that moment, she knew the Buddha Dharma meant someone who has, who has walked through the river of suffering, through the river of darkness, through the river of ignorance, through the river of, of evil, crossed that river against the stream into the shore of enlightenment. That's what the word Buddha means. Also, what the word Buddha means as well is, is, is a recognition that all that is that all that is confusing and ignorant and harmful is not who we are. But benevolence and kindness and sweetness is who we are, right? There's many ways uh, of, 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 um, of translating the word Buddha, you know? So when she heard these words, another moment of awakening. So that sprout in the garden of her mind started growing. So now we're not looking at a baby sprout. Now we're looking at a beautiful flower. <gasps> this flower is growing in the garden of her mind. So her eyes are, are, are light, there's a huge smile on her face. She's feeling light and awakened in a way that she's having, she hasn't felt in a long time just by these simple words, okay? And of course, Manjushri's presence was already, or was, was, was calibrating her nervousness, was relaxing her entire inner world. Are we communicating? Is that landing? Is that landing? Is that landing for you all? So in this moment, he says, you are a bodhisattva. You're here to be a bodhisattva. You're here as to be a radical saint. You're here to help people to awaken out of confusion and into love, out of fear and into compassion, out of sadness and into joy, out of ignorance and hatred into wisdom. She broke down in that moment. And in that moment of that breakdown led to her breakthrough. That sprout that then had become a beautiful flower, it grew into an enormous ancient tree. You know, an ancient tree, think about a redwood or think about a banyan tree. Think about the most ancient tree that you've ever seen in your life. I want you to visualize that tree growing in the garden of your mind, like enormously, like in a split of a second, it just just literally skyrockets into the sky. Boom. Like that. 
And then all of a sudden you're looking at the garden of your mind and you see this massive tree and you see the sunlight hitting the leaves and you see the wind dancing with the leaves and you're able to, to really see yourself and life from a completely different way. So it was in that moment he said these words. She completely changed her life. She completely changed the trajectory of her life, right? He took off the vest and said, here's the vest. She didn't even want the vest. Anymore. She didn't even want any money. She didn't even want anything anymore. She says, I am devoted to the Bodhisattva path. I'm devoted to being a radical sin. I'm devoted to being a warrior of non-aggression. I'm devoted to being a warrior of peace. Like that. So these moments of transcendental wisdom are always available to us, are always available to us, right? So it is our, it is our, our, it is our mission in life to awaken this prolific wisdom, right? To truly awaken this wisdom at the base of our being, right? And how the fuck do we do that? We do that by by practicing, by concentrating our mind, right? By sitting in, 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 in contemplation, in reflection, in meditation, right? By piercing through the layers of delusion, by piercing through the layers of, of, of suffering, by looking at ourselves and the world through the eyes of the heart. Could I see love? when there's only hate? Could I see selfish, could I see, excuse me, could I see compassion when I, in that moment, I'm only seeing selfishness? Could I see, could I see joy when I'm only seeing sadness? Could I see wisdom in a moment that I'm only seeing ignorance? Whenever you awaken the compass of your heart, whenever you awaken the four qualities of your heart, you awaken prajna, prajna, transcendental wisdom. And when wisdom arises, you have all of its twin sisters, love, compassion, and joy. So, so the, the transcendental wisdom component is always asking yourself, what else is here? What am I not seeing? Is my perception leading me to more pain or is my perception leading me to, to clear wisdom? So having prajna, cultivating the Manjushri consciousness, you're always questioning your perception. You're always questioning how you are relating to yourself and to the world. And this is not like a, it's not a someone who is undecisive. If you're undecisive about every single area of your life, this wisdom that I'm speaking about here is far out for you. You're not there yet. I need you to become more decisive. I need you to become more decisive and have less of, of a analysis paralysis. Whenever you stop having analysis paralysis, whenever you walk into a store, you know exactly what you want to eat. Whenever you, you sit down to to do research, you know exactly what you're researching. You know, you're more decisive. You've already been building decisiveness. You've already been building uh, a, a practice of concentration, right? You have, you, you, you more, you know more of who you truly are already, right? So to awaken this transcendental wisdom, you have to have been already on the path for a little while. And again, this can, this can change. This can happen overnight. 
You may say, okay, I'm done being undecisive. I'm done being scattered. I'm done multitasking. I'm done going through life in a way that I, I tell the world and I tell myself that I don't know who I am and I don't know, I don't know what I like. I have no preference. I like what they like. I want to do what they're doing, you know, going with the flow kind of style. This is not what I'm speaking about here. You know, that's not what I'm speaking about here. You know, this is a deeper level of truth. It's a much deeper level of truth. This is your ability to always, always question your perspective because you know that your perspective is built on your conditioning. And your conditioning is not the defining factor of your true nature. So am I seeing reality through my true nature or am I seeing reality through my conditioning? That's what I'm speaking about. Is my perspective of life cluttered because of my conditioning or is my perspective of life in, in direct partnership, in direct marriage, in direct yoga, in direct communion with my true nature? That's the question. That's the ask. So Manjushri consciousness is in complete congruency with the qualities of your heart, right? So it's always knowing to question yourself, to question your feelings, to question your thoughts, you know, to know that thoughts think themselves, to know that thoughts cannot hurt you, that what hurts you is how you relate to your thoughts, that thoughts are meaningless, but we give meaning to our thoughts. Your intuition doesn't communicate with you in thoughts. Your knower, your Buddha nature, true gnosis does not communicate with you through your feelings and through your thoughts. No. Feelings and thoughts are too limiting. It's They're too limited of an experience to communicate your true nature, to communicate who you truly are at the base of your being. Uh, having awakeness, having a, a awakened uh, Manjushri consciousness, you know that 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 your thought, that your feelings, you know, good or bad, may lead to more and more attachment. They may lead to an emotional hunger. That they may lead you to pain. That a pleasant feeling may lead you to a destructive behavior. So it's that kind of knowing, it's that kind of awareness, right? It's that kind of awareness. It's, it's knowing that, that, that you can't trust every feeling as the right guide to your life, that all you can rely unwaverly, you know, with profound conviction and faith is in your heart, is the knowing that arises from your heart. And I'm not speaking about the physiological heart, right? I'm speaking about the spiritual heart. I'm speaking about the base of your being, right? I'm speaking to that part of you. That part of us is non-local. And it's, it's not solid, you know. Are we communicating? So that's what we're speaking about here. So Manjushri consciousness, Manjushri, the, the, the deity of, of profound and prolific wisdom, Whenever you feel like you're at crossroads and your hands are tied and you feel lost in your ignorance, you feel lost in your pain, you feel lost in your amnesia, 
call upon Manjushri, say, Dear Manjushri, Deity of Transcendental Wisdom, help me see what I can't see. Show me what I can't see. Guide me in a way that I, that I don't know how. Calling upon the unseen world, calling upon the world of the formless to help orient your life in the form world, right? That's what these deities are here for. You know, that's, that's, that's what this, this lineage that we study, right? Vajrayana Buddhism, this very mystical lineage that we study is for. It's calling upon the unseen world because they're everywhere. You know, they're all around us. And then as you awaken, as you awaken the connection to Manjushri, you start to become more like Manjushri. So that's what I speak about, Manjushri consciousness. That now your mind is more and more like the mind of transcendental wisdom. Are we communicating? Are we landing somewhere? Are we arriving somewhere? Yes, yes, yes. Like that, like that, okay? That's enough for today. I'm Sadi Simone, and you've been listening to The Spiritually Sassy Show. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and reveal this podcast. And join me next Sunday for another Spiritually Sassy Conversation. Thank you so much for listening, and I love you. Mm-hmm.